Well, welcome to week three of God Conversations. Not starting point, it's God Conversations. Uh, apologize last week, I called it the wrong thing. Um, but here we are. We've got this week, uh, we're at the halfway mark, and then we've got uh, tonight, and then one more to wrap it up. Uh, so I'm just super excited about what we get to talk about. And um, for those people, uh, thank you, honey. Um, watching at home, uh, live, thank you for joining us, and I uh, hope this is helpful. Also, anybody watching or listening to this on the audio on our podcast, we know uh, that um, we really appreciate you, and, and hopefully this is helpful and a blessing to you as well. So let's just open our, our time with a, a word of prayer, just ask God to bless our time, clear our minds from everything, distractions of the day, and, and what's going on tomorrow, but let's focus on His word and what God would have for us. God, we come before you, um, and we get all of our instruction, all of our guidance, all of our hope uh, from your word, um, you being its author, uh, giving us a great gift to, to lead us not only just to salvation, but how to navigate life here on this earth, and the part that you would encourage us to play in building your kingdom. It takes our breath away to, to see the, the privilege that is before us. Uh, we thank you, Lord, for those that made the God conversations with us and took the time and the effort. And we know that uh, for many of us, it was many people, just little deposits that are moving us one, close, one step closer to the cross. Um, and then, Lord, we knew that, uh, that you opened our eyes to see uh, our sin and our need for a Savior. And Lord, thank you that um, we belong in your family and that we acknowledge our sin and we acknowledge you as Savior and Lord um, with power over the grave, Lord, that gives us great hope for eternity and in this life. God, this information is too good to keep to ourselves. We, we need to share it. That will take effort, um, work, and Lord, just help us take those first steps in God conversations with others. I'm encouraged by hearing uh, some that are here that have already uh, diving in and they're having conversations. Lord, bless those. Lord, bring fruit from those conversations, Lord. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, just quickly in review, remember one, two, three. What is the one? We hit on this in Luke 15, something that we all should remember. Anyone remember the one? Raise your hand if you got it. <laughs> if you got it now. <laughs> God values the one, doesn't he? He values the one. In Luke 15, there was a hundred sheep. There was ten coins. There was two sons. In each case, one was lost. And God was telling us through the scriptures, through, through Jesus, that his value system is different than that of the Pharisee and the scribe, wasn't he? And that, and that was the whole point. 
Why does Jesus eat with tax collectors and sinners? Because God values the one. We have to look at that ourselves and say, do we value the one? The one what? The one lost. The one lost that's in our circle, at our workplace, in our community. Do we value that one? Also, the two must-know principles in evangelism, and they are this, that evangelism is a process, and God is responsible for the result. This should be freeing to us. The weight of, oh no, if I don't get everything right, uh, will they come to faith? Since God is responsible to bring them to himself, we can answer boldly, yes. He's looking for our obedience and sharing about the good news of Jesus. And realizing that evangelism is a process, our goal is just, to, is just to move people closer to the cross. If they're a negative seven, and after six months of coffee or meeting with them and you answer a few questions that they had and they become a negative five great job now we don't know if they're a negative five we don't know really where they're at on that scale but we just continue to have the conversation and pointing them to christ and don't fall short of sharing the good news because it's through the good news that people are saved not just through answering tough questions. And then we looked at the first one of these three barriers that keep people from embracing Christ. And these are the emotional barrier, the intellectual barrier, and the volitional barrier. And we're going to look at the intellectual and the volitional barrier tonight. But last week, we touched on this. The emotional barrier that... We had, uh, we'd put up here, it was, there we go, keeps going back. It resulted in what? It resulted from a bad experience, right? Um, a bad experience with Christians or organized religion. And often the response when that happens is they pull back, they isolate from Christians or organized religions. They don't have anything to do with it. And we shared several examples of that. But our responsibility in that, if they've had a bad experience, or, you know, Christians are just hypocrites or whatever. I mean, that was just one of them. And that's true, by the way, sometimes. I mean, that's, that's sad. But our responsibility in this, and when they, they get stuck here, is that we're to build the relationship. If relationship is ever broken um, with someone else, you work to restore it. Restore the good. And it may start with just a friendship. And you get to a point to where you can Share more of God's word once you get to know him. You earn the right to be heard. And we looked at finding common ground with people. And we looked at, you know, what's common ground, you know, look like. And, you know, it may be something that you do together. Maybe something um, 
you know, it could be a sport you, you like golf or fishing or going to a game or there'll be a day we get to go to games. I'm, I'm, I'm quite certain, but I, I don't know when <laughs> again. Um, but one thing that we have in common, remember, is a lot of people have this in common is what is it, Mike? We like to eat about noon. What's that called? Lunch. <laughs> yeah, so, so we have lunch in common, and you could just take someone to lunch and start to get to know them. Okay, moving on to the next barrier. The next barrier that we run into, the barrier that keeps people from embracing Christ, is the intellectual barrier. Now, what might be some examples of an intellectual barrier? Anyone? Okay. Someone very analytical. Analytical. Someone maybe that. Uh, hey, science and Christianity—they don't mesh. I mean, there's no way, right? That might be an intellectual barrier. What's something else? Yeah, yeah, you can't believe this because I can read over here this and read over there that, and so, you know, it's it can't it can't it can't be can't be true. Um, so it results from bad information about Christianity and the Bible. You know, other things I've heard from people are, well, what about the Crusades? I mean, Christians, I mean, come on. That's terrible. That's terrible. That's right. Or, hey, I saw something on the Discovery Channel. And it, it's explaining all this. And it's different than what the Bible says. So, you know, I can't believe the Bible. A colleague of mine in the Bible Institute here once told me the story of a friend that said, hey, I, we need to get together. And I, I really found some research that I really want to talk to you about because it's really, I know you're going to want to hear it. And it's, it's amazing that did you know, this is what I found through my research, is what uh, this person told my friend that Jesus actually got married to Mary Magdalene and they had a baby and and that baby and that mother after Jesus was killed moved to France and became a part of the Merovingian line of kings and my friend said where did, you, where did you get that research? And she said, it, it's, uh, it's this book right here. It's the Da Vinci Code. Are we surprised that you could pick up a, a book and compare it next to the Holy Scriptures? And yet people are doing that. This person was serious about their, what they read, and they thought it was true. Next to the Word of God? There's a book that came out years ago, maybe in the late 2000s, 8, maybe, 10, 9, somewhere in there. It's called The Shack. Anyone read that book? Um, I heard some good stories about it. Um, 
But it's sad that the author, William Young, denies the substitutionary atonement of Christ. And yet that book is, you know, William Young got in front of pulpits all over the United States and preached, but he didn't believe in the blood of Christ for the forgiveness of the sins of mankind. He had kind of an everybody's in mentality. We can't lay the text of man next to the holy scriptures of God. No contest, right? So it's bad information that, that people get sometimes, and we need to work through it. Their reaction often in, time in, in this is when they get that bad information is what? It's their indifference to Christi Christianity and the Bible. They don't want, it's like, no, no thanks. It's, it's not true. Because they got bad information. But they don't realize that their information is bad. So what's our responsibility in that? We need to research and respond to objections. This is going to take work. It's a good work for us to research and respond. And so to overcome the intellectual barriers... We need to prepare. And the verse that I'm sure many of you are thinking of that uh, is the go-to verse for prepare is 1 Peter 3.15. This verse would be good for you to memorize. This is a verse that is memorized in Awana, right over there. Our kids are memorizing these verses. Adults, let's step up and work on this verse. This will be a great verse to, for you to lock away, and you'll go back to it many times. Here's what it says, but in your hearts set apart Christ as Lord, always being able to give an answer to everyone who asks of you for a reason for the hope that is within you, but do so with gentleness and respect. Now, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn there, because we're going we're gonna to be taking that verse apart a little bit and looking at several things. 1 Peter 3.15, look that up in your own version. But when we look at that verse and we see the things that the Scripture is encouraging us just in there, there's a lot that we can draw from this. The first thing is that, that we are to do is we're supposed to be spiritually committed. Notice right there at the beginning... But in, your, but in your heart, set apart Christ as Lord. So this is for you. This is, I am absolutely convinced So you're to be spiritually committed. Also, intellectually prepared. Always be ready to give an answer. Always be ready to give an answer to an objection. I like in Acts 14, 1, Paul and Barnabas enter Iconium, and when they entered the synagogue, it says that they spoke in such a way a great number of Jews and Greeks believed. 
They spoke in such a way. There was preparation before they walked in. Like, ah, willy-nilly, just go in there. I don't know what we're going to say. What are you going to say? They were prepared. They knew their audience. They knew how to talk to them. We, too, need to be prepared intellectually with our response. Also, be relationally sensitive. Notice at the end of 1 Peter 3.15, yes, we're going to give an answer for the hope that is within us, but we're going to do it with gentleness and respect. There is a delivery method that God is asking us to carry out. And that is when we answer, we are to do so with gentleness and respect. <clears throat> also, we're to be constantly ready. You just never know. This is always be ready. You don't know when it's going to happen. My daughter's story last week, that is not how she thought God was going to answer that prayer with an Uber driver in Denver. It blew her away. But she knew that that man was the answer to her prayer. Start the conversation. Be ready. Look for it even. Expect it. Have ears to, oh, I wonder, hey, I, there's an opportunity right there. I wonder how many opportunities, you know, that we just, we just sort of miss because we're, we're just busy with our, our mojo and our, our agenda and on our, the things on our schedule. <clears throat> Be looking for it. And then learn to answer the 12 most common questions that Christians face. What are those? Well, they're in this book. It's written here on the screen here. It's called I'm Glad You Ask by Ken Boa and Larry Moody. We have a course in the Bible Institute where we go through these questions. The name of the class, 12 questions. <laughs> we keep it simple, okay? And we tackle them. And the assignment for the group, as we tackle each question, is by the end of the night, take a three-by-five card out and formulate your answer to that question. That's not hard. I mean, we did this in school. We did this with our kids, didn't we? You know, when they're, they're growing up. It's like we did flashcards. And, okay, here we go. We're going to test our knowledge. Are we too old for that? We can get better. At answering these questions. So I encourage you to think, to consider that book. It's a, it's a great resource. If for some reason you can't find it, you, you can't, then contact me and I'll make sure you get a copy. I'm not sure that it's available on, you know, some of the major internet carriers. But I can get you a copy. It's outstanding. So we practice the questions that might come up. 
don't let the, the fear of these things, a lot of times what stops us is we think that there's 100 or 200 questions that we're going to have to, we're going to have to tackle. There's generally 12. Generally 12. And then also, what we've been challenging you the last two weeks is to learn to present the gospel clearly. So practice your method. Whether it's the good news, bad news, whether it's the, the spiritual laws, whether it's the Romans road, have a method, have it, be able to to practice it and be able to, to be ready. Also, overcoming the intellectual barrier requires us to walk the walk. Walk the walk. Colossians 4, 5, and 6 says this, be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. This was a popular verse in the Hayes household <laughs> as we grew up. We would tell our kids, it was was is that seasoned with salt when you said that to your friend? <laughs> and so that word seasoned with salt uh, was pretty, pretty popular. It'll come back on you occasionally, too, if you're not careful with your kids. Dad, was that, was that seasoned with salt when you talked to that waiter or wait? <laughs> like, uh, yeah, good, good call. This word wise, be wise, is the Greek word Sophia. It's defined as this. It's wisdom in its highest and noblest sense demonstrated practically in challenging circumstances. Be wise in the way that you act towards outsiders. You know, we just go around bumping around our life. We just... We just we realize that, or we don't realize that, you know, people are either lost or they're found. I mean, that's, that's the truth. And so every action that we have as we correspond with the world, we're going to be bumping into believers. A good Christian testimony is good for them as well. But also unbelievers who we want to attract towards the gospel. So let's be wise Also, we need to talk the talk. We need to walk the walk, and we need to talk the talk. So walking the walk is with our actions and how we're treating people, and then, you know, with our mouth and as we speak. James 1.19 says, My dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Does that describe you? You know, what if you walk the walk, but you don't talk the talk? Well, in that case, you're a mystery. 
nobody really knows. You're a morally good person, but, but what if you talk the talk, but you don't walk the walk? You're a hypocrite. So it's important that we do both. And as we do, we need to address the issues that come along, the questions that they have. Something comes up and it's contrary to truth and we recognize that. There's ways that we can address that. Hey, that's an interesting perspective that you have on that. I'd really like to know more about how you came to that understanding. You're just kicking the door open a little bit and just let's talk about it a little more. What that might lead to is, well, well, what's your position on that? Oh, I'm glad you asked. This is, this is my take on it. So we need to be good listeners. We can listen with love hear where they're coming from so that when we hear an objection we can we can ask them about it I'll tell you this in most of my experience most people don't have a great answer I don't know it's just kind of what I thought it's kind of how I lived oh okay it's not grounded in anything what we are saying is grounded in the word of God So listen with love, address the issues, and correct with gentleness. Paul is writing in 2 Timothy to, to his young protege, Timothy. And he's telling Timothy, as a young pastor, this is how we're to act. And in these verses, he says to them, keep reminding them of these things. Warn them before God against quarreling about the words. It is of no value and only ruins those who listen. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a workman who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. Don't have anything to do with foolish arguments because you know they produce quarrels. And the Lord's servant must not quarrel. Instead, he must be kind to everyone, able to teach, patient when wronged. Those who oppose him, he must gently instruct. Gently instruct. In the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to the knowledge of the truth and that they will come to their senses and escape from the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. In Matthew 12, 20, describing the tenderness of our Lord Jesus Christ, there's a quote from Isaiah 42, 3. Describing Christ as a prophecy of Jesus in Isaiah, it says a bruised reed he did not break, a smoldering flax he did not snuff out. That was Jesus. He was tender. 
And if there was a smoldering flax, there was hope. If there was a bruised reed, it could be mended. And that's a good reminder for us in how we handle people. I sometimes struggle with this because I'm very just, let's move on, move on. I'm quick with words. <laughs> I, need, I continually work on being a good listener. It's so important. Okay, moving on to the volitional barrier. Now, understanding that the, the volitional barrier is... Does everybody understand what I mean by volitional? This is a, a barrier of the will, okay? A barrier of the will. There's an old saying that um, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink, okay? Well, that's true. And a a horse story that I have for you was I was raised on a farm and came back from college and it was time for the, the annual cattle drive. We'd move cattle from a few miles away and um, we'd rodeo up and pony up and we would drive the cattle. It was fun. I looked to it, forward to it every year, almost as much as I like harvest. I love the cattle drive. I remember, but me and horses, we had this... Uh, love-hate relationship and if you know much about horses you just you just got to be boss and you gotta yeah I am not a horse whisperer okay and this seems like they always had um, they knew what I was thinking they if they, they knew I was a little timid or whatever but we were moving cattle and these cattle started to break a certain way and I my dad was just hey we got to get around got to get around you're the go 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 you know and I'm like, there I am beating a path, full gallop, trying to get around these cattle. And I have to cross a creek. Well, guess what? This horse doesn't go across water. You know? And I remember hearing my dad, get, get, just get, the, get off the horse and lead it across. Just pull it across. Go, go. Get, you know, and I'm so off the horse. And I'm, ooh, ooh, ooh. I got so upset. And I, the horse wasn't going. And it, I just took the reins and whack, right? You know, the horse reared up headbutted me. <laughs> Boom, I'm down in the water. Uh, walking back to the house. I'm done. Horses can be stubborn. <laughs> Not going to cross. Could it? Absolutely it could. Just wasn't going to. Not going to do it. And the volitional barrier... That, that we run into sometimes with people, we have to first understand that, that God has given everyone a choice to believe what they want to believe. We're creatures of free will. You can be patient. You can answer their intellectual questions about God. And they may reject it time and time again, even though your answers are solid. Some people just don't want to give up the control of their life, even after you've answered the questions. They may acknowledge Jesus Christ as maybe creator, and, you know, he probably came, and, you know, maybe even the resurrection. But 
they're going to stop short of trusting in him for their salvation. But they'll acknowledge the facts about God, even in history. But they'll not turn their life over to God. Admit their sin and what he's offered in his son through the blood of Christ. So, volitional barriers result from our bad nature. We're born sinners. Their reaction, they're powerless. They're stuck in that spot. They're not, they're going to be stubborn. They're not going to move. What we hope for is that one question leads to the next question. We keep building the relationship. It's easy for us to give up right here. Well, I tried. I gave him a best shot. I want to continue, hang in there. <laughs> keep going on. Because our responsibility in this is we need reliance on God and prayer. I think we first need to look at, we understand their condition. They're lost. Ephesians 2, 1 through 3. You were dead in your transgressions and sins. You weren't just sick. You were dead. They were lost. Sometimes as believers, and maybe our life is pretty well in order, where morals are right, and we're living the Christian life. Okay, good. But sometimes we look at that sinner that doesn't know Christ and we expect them immediately to act like we are. Why aren't you falling in line? Why aren't you giving up those bad habits? Why aren't you turning a corner? It's almost like we, have, we say, you, you need to clean up your life before you come to Christ. Really? What shot do we have to clean up our life without Christ? Christ comes First, we have to introduce them to him and trust the Spirit's power in their life to turn their life around. Their sin that you may see, that may be detestable to you, I understand. But the first thing that matters to God is a relationship with him is what he wants. He'll clean up the life through the power of the Holy Spirit, just like he's done for us as we follow him. But if we don't see progress in sometimes in the, their life becoming more Christian, then we kind of go, I don't know. I don't know if it's working. If they, if they fall short of putting their faith and trust in Christ, we got to keep working, keep praying, trust in God. If not me, someone else. Use me. Lead me. What can I do? Lead others. Lead the body of Christ around this person. Pray. We have to understand that they're dead. 2 Corinthians 4, 3 through 5 says this, And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. 
In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. They are blind. And we pray God will lift that veil so they can see. As he did with Saul, whose name was changed to Paul, he was able to see when Christ confronted him. Christ still is confronting people. This last week, Christ confronted somebody, a new friend, a new member of the family of God. <laughs> Was, was lost and now is found. Praise God. He's doing it. Don't let someone's blindness stop you from pursuing them. Also, 2 Timothy 2, 25 and 26 says they're captive. Those who oppose him he must gently, we must, he must gently instruct in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to the knowledge of the truth, and that they will come to their senses and escape from the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. I mean, do we pity the lost? I mean, realizing that they are, they are, they are taken captive, they are blind. We have a message of hope, of truth that will give them life forever. Let's get it out there. And I hope that these sessions are leading you to a perspective that I can have a conversation. I can do this. I'm going to get in the game of evangelism. I'm going to start telling people. Someone recently Real recently, today, I just heard. Well, you know, I'm talking with this friend. I'm not sure person's a believer, comes to church, right in the car. We start talking. I decided I'm going all in. I'm going to start the conversation. <laughs> Great job. Way to go. So the condition of the unbeliever is they're dead, they're blind, and they're captive. We need to rely on God's power. We're not in this alone. We've said that before. Acts 1.8, but you will receive power, right? You are my witnesses. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. That's to... The disciples, that's to us. We're still, still carrying out this message. And that same power that empowered them empowers us. What is the ultimate goal? 
Anyway, what's the ultimate goal they were working towards? They would, they would accept Christ, put their faith and trust in Christ, right? Salvation. The ultimate goal for the Christian should be the same, same one stated as God the Father in John 3, 16 and 17. And also Luke 19, 10, to seek and to save the lost. It's the salvation of the people. That's the ultimate goal. In order for the church to be successful in reaching this goal, we need to have a game plan. We need a game plan. There's a Super Bowl coming up Sunday. Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Kansas City Chiefs, right? Two big powerhouse teams. Who's going to win? <laughs> Chiefs? <laughs> That'd be great. They're putting their game plan together. You know, they got their offense, defensive strategy. Well, you got many of you are in business, different types of businesses. And you have game plans for your work. You have game you have goals that you're looking towards for your company, you know, within your department, and you work at them. So should the church. And that's us. It's you and I. God's game plan, it's clear. We touched on this already. We could always go back to it again. The Great Commission, right? We're to go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. God's game plan is to win. Make. That's evangelism. That's what it's going to require. The telling of the good news. His game plan is to bend. That's discipleship. That's that Romans 12, 1 and 2 thing where we have to be transformed, not conformed to the world. We were. We understand the world's ways, but now we're new. We need to understand God's ways. Much effort is needed right here in discipling ourselves. Understanding God's word, renewing our mind. A lot of work involved. Is it worth it? Yeah. God's game plan is to win, to bend, and to send. And that's us. Since we've received the Spirit, we're His witnesses, we're His ambassadors. 2 Corinthians 5.20 says, We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. It's as though Christ is making His appeal through us. And you know what? It, you know what? He is. <laughs> he is making it through us. So let's get in the game. There's an enemy on the other side of the field. Satan has a game plan. John 10, 10 says, the thief comes only to steal, to kill, and destroy. That's real. 
He can't touch me. I'm with Jesus. Oh? He could steal the word of God and your hunger for it. He could kill your faith and obedient walk. Not your position with Christ, if you've trusted in him. He can destroy your witness. He could just make you marginal. Satan doesn't care if you come to church and you sing songs, worship. No problem. What he doesn't want you to do is to tell anybody else about Jesus. So he will do everything he can to distract you of what is important in your life. And that's how he steals and kills and destroys. I have to believe that every believer in Jesus Christ, especially as they grow older, there's something within their core that says, I would love the opportunity to lead one person to faith in Jesus. I would love that. And I believe that God wants that too. And you can be part of the process of throwing out the seed. We don't take credit for any of it, right? We've already said that. We've established that God does the heavy lifting. He's the one that makes things grow. But he often uses his body. Often. Most of us came to faith by someone else telling us. So let's get in the game. And to do that, we need to know how to communicate with God. And we need to do it better. We spent the time looking at the emotional, the intellectual, and the volitional barriers of how we communicate with those that don't know God, that those barriers that keep them from putting their, their faith and trust in Christ. And we need to have those conversations with them. But not before we have conversations with God. Luke 10, 2. The harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord, who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his field. Are we praying this prayer? The harvest is plentiful, the workers are few. We need to pray for laborers. This is going to be your prayer journal for a little while. This is something that you could uh, go to, six things that you can pray for. Pray that God will send. Send me, send others, send more. <laughs> something we should be praying for. Pray for opportunities. All these are granted in Scripture. Paul to the, the church of Colossae says, says this, at the same time, pray also for us that God may open up doors for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison. 
Even in prison, Paul's saying, I'm praying for opportunities. <laughs> give, me a, give me an open door. He wasn't necessarily saying, give me an open door out of this jail. He was just saying, give me an open door to share Christ. Notice that Paul's saying, hey, pray, pray for us as we take Christ out. He's asking the body to pray, pray for him as he's going out. As you know of a friend that's getting ready to walk into a God conversation, you'll be praying for them. God, allow them to speak truth, help them to be clear. I pray for the, the, the person that's been receiving the word, that they'll be open. We pray for each other in that. That's Paul saying, pray, I'm going to go out, pray for this. But we can, we can pray for this for us as well, for opportunities. Because a person with a message needs an opportunity to share it. We touched on this last week, but we need to pray for boldness. In Acts 4, 29 they prayed for boldness. And in verse 31, just two verses down, God answers a prayer, gives them boldness. That's a prayer God wants to answer. Our boldness needs to, be, needs to overcome fear instead of the fear overcoming our boldness. There in Acts 4, 29, now the Lord consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Verse 31, after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. They prayed for boldness, they received boldness. Let's pray for boldness. Is it wrong to pray for success? 2 Thessalonians 3, 1. Finally, dear brothers and sisters, we ask you to pray for us. Pray that the Lord's message will spread rapidly and be honored wherever it goes, just as, it, just as when it came to you. Just pray that the gospel goes forward quickly. It may take several much effort, but it may not. Sometimes I'm blown away when an opportunity comes and the, the gospel is shared and I hear a story and it's just like, just shared Christ and that person just turned and said yes to Jesus. Their life forever changed. I hear those stories. That's amazing. God is doing that. Doesn't mean that much work in the years before, you know, the planting, the the turning the soil, the fertilizing the water didn't happen. But as we take the gospel forward, be ready. And pray for success. Pray that God will do it. That's a, that's a prayer of mine often when I'm sharing Christ with some. I just say, do it. Do it, God. <laughs> he knows what I mean. <laughs> just save them. Open their eyes. Save them now. As they read the scripture... And I'm praying, it's your word, Lord, do it.
the next verse following this in 2 Thessalonians 3 is in verse 2. It says, And pray that we may be delivered from wicked and evil people, for not everyone has faith. So we, we can pray for safety as we share. And the last one is pray for salvation. First of all, I urge that supplications, prayers, and intercessions and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This is good, and it is pleasing in the sight of God, our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of truth. We can pray, certainly, for individuals by name. That, according to this, is biblical. But we can also, even more, we can pray for the church that is around those that don't know Christ. In addition to us, that we pray for them as well. So here's your acronym. L-O-B-S-S-S. Lobs. Everybody say it. Lobs. Okay. Lobs. Laborers, opportunities, boldness, success, safety, salvation. These are all the ways that we're encouraged to pray in evangelism. Sometimes as we're navigating the waters with someone and even maybe even prior to it, um, there's another, there's two other prayers that, um, that I often pray. So these are bonus prayers. You can write these down. I don't think they're in your notes. But here are two bonus prayers. <laughs> I, I, this is real simple. But when I start my day, um, I usually know what's ahead of me. Uh, those appointments, the things on my calendar... But I also want to have a time to just to listen to God and to realize that I may cross paths with someone, knowing that I'm going to rub shoulders with the lost and the unlost. God may want to interrupt my day, even as a pastor. <laughs> and, and I want to be ready. These two prayers help me. I know God has answered these prayers many times. I don't know that I'd have been ready had I not prayed him. Because I pause and I just say, God, what are you doing in me? I, I know you're at work. <laughs> I know I've got my day in front of me. But what are you doing in me? And I listen. 
I'm not saying I hear things. I'm not saying I, you know, got a journal. I'm writing everything down. I'm just, I'm just listening. God, I want to be, I want to be your man today. I want to represent you today. I just kind of quiet my soul. And I follow that with, God, what do you want me to do? Pretty simple. Okay, God, you're at work. Here's my day. I give it to you. Help me to know what to do today. Nudge me in an area that I need to be nudged. Help me not to be so busy with my schedule and my agenda that I miss an opportunity to represent you the way you wanted me to represent you. And when I put my head on my pillow, I review my day. I'm not saying I bat a thousand, okay? <laughs> but there are definitely times that I've felt God's nudge. Just, just, hey, whoa, right there. And I need to move towards that. <laughs> I may pause and go, Am I? And maybe pray again something. Lord, you, you want, is this an opportunity? I don't want to miss it if it is. And, and I move in. Again, just the process, turning the soil, watering, fertilizing, just trying to point people to Christ. These prayers are helpful for me. Okay. We've got a couple minutes here at the end. Anybody have any questions about God conversations? Anybody have any experiences that they've had thus far? How are you doing with the bad news, good news approach? Any, anybody got any comments or questions? Yeah, Craig.
Yeah. So if yeah. I don't have the answer, sometimes I don't beat myself up. Yeah. Because I realize it doesn't matter if you know you give it, you can give them the right answers, and still they're going to come up with something else. Yeah. Thank you, Craig. And another encouragement is get to Christ quickly. <laughs> you know, for those reasons, and um, maybe tackle a, you know somebody that's a highly intellectual. And that that's not hard. I understand what you went through. Uh, it's not hard to be more intellectual than me. <laughs> and so most people are, okay? So, but I'm, uh, I'm, kinda, I'm kinda this real practical guy, and so I kinda bob and weave through those things. And, uh, but I'm getting to Jesus quickly, and I might take on you know, some of those questions and do the same things you do, do some research, come back and give an answer. But then maybe try, since you've given him, you've honored him in that way, you know, say, hey, um, Maybe next time, you know, I could just share, you know, why I believe what I believe. I mean, and just because it's not, it's not your answers really that are going to wow them. I mean, even if, it, if they're right, if it may be, but bring the gospel to them. Let them be confronted with the gospel and lay that down. And, and you could do that through your own story. It's part of what we're going to be covering next, next week in in your story, you know, what's your story? Have you told it recently? It's beautiful. If we sat down together, I'd love to hear it. You know, when's the last time you've told your story? <laughs> but having a story and being able to say, I would love to tell you why I believe what I believe. And in that is the gospel. Okay? So keep going. Way to go. Brian, you had your hand up. We think we're more important than we really are. Okay, yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Right. Thank you, Brian. He's co-laboring with us. He is with us. Even we don't recognize it, even in the midst of, of chaos, in the midst of that question we don't have the answer to, he is there. Remember Peter in the garden, and, and, and you can't take Jesus away, and, you, and Jesus like, you don't know what you're doing, Peter. And what does Jesus say to him? He goes, you know, Peter, Satan wants to sift you like wheat, but I prayed for you. Oh, you know, 
our Savior praying for us, the, the Spirit also communing with us, knows when we don't know even we're struggling with that, which we can't even comprehend sometimes, and the Spirit is there with us in those trials. So, great. Any other comments? Questions? Yeah. 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 So I had two opportunities in this first term to have God talk to Jacob two different times. Okay, great. And the resources helped me with both of them with an interesting little book called Joy is Good Enough. Yes, it's a good book. Yes. Yes, I'm very aware. Yeah. Yep. Uh, the book that was suggested was uh, by Andy Stanley, uh, and it was called How Good Is Good Enough. Okay. Have handed that out at starting point for, for years. One time a, a person came to me, a, a very church person all their life. Um, still part of the church today, <laughs> but hadn't become a member. And that's part of the reason we go through the membership classes because we, they've heard a gospel, but have they heard the gospel of the Bible? <laughs> they've heard something. They know about Jesus. And we passed that book out, and she read it that afternoon and that evening. She called me, and she goes, Do you really believe this? <laughs> is, this is this really true? And... The next day, made an appointment, and she came in, and she just, she says, I, I believe, I had it all wrong. I had, I thought it was all my, my stuff, and I, my, my duty, and my service, and my, my church going, and my offering, and my, it's, I'm free. It's like, it was, it was unbelievable. The other thing that helped me in regards to the intellectual. Hmm. That's right. That's good. Thank you, Ann. Some, some resources, other resources besides the book that, that Ann recommended. Um, a Case for Christ, Lee Strobel. Um, the Reason for God, Tim Keller. Here's a classic, uh, Who Moved the Stone by Frank Morrison. This dates me, I know. Evidence That Demands a Verdict, Josh McGow. And then he wrote another book, More Evidence That Demands a Verdict. <laughs> uh, 
So these are some materials, and, and certainly this book right here, I'm glad you asked, by Boa and Moody, are very helpful in helping us navigate the waters of the most questions that are, that are asked. And as you're moving through and as you're answering, continue to bring Christ forward. And the changed life in you is a testimony that they cannot refute. And they're wondering, as we're sensible and as we're peaceful and as we're tender, they're going, my life doesn't look like that, you know? And I want that. And the gospel becomes more attractive. Okay? Anyone else? Mike? Right. And just, I don't know, for me, I try to keep it simple. Yeah. Because the power is in the gospel. It is. And, and don't, don't fall short of once a gospel presentation is presented. Is there anything keeping you from trusting Christ? Ask that question. Well, if there is an objection, have a, a pad of paper and a pen down. Write it down. What is, why? Because you care. <laughs> and, and if there is an objection, you're ready to write it down. And if there's not, invite them. Invite them to trust. If there is something, maybe they say, well, I don't know what my husband's going to say. I don't, I, I don't know what, it's just, I don't know what they'll say. And say, well, how, how could you, possible answer, how could you ever, maybe we could take some time with that. Maybe you could go home and talk to him about that. But if you knew the truth and you knew this was true, how could you keep this from your husband? If it was true and you're convinced that it is, then introduce him to what message you just received. You want some help? We can talk together with him. And I would offer that the same to any of you. That if you know someone that doesn't know the Lord and you want to have a God conversation and you're, and you're nervous or scared about it, and I, okay, we've all been in that camp, okay? I'd be happy to go with you and, and share the gospel. You can observe and it's your love that grease the wheels for even having that opportunity. It's your prayers they are going to be praying for their eyes to be opened and all the prayers that we mentioned. I, you know, it, it, we could team up, okay? So be willing, be willing to do that for others as well. But if you have somebody on your heart and you, and you I, this person needs Christ and I'm, I'm stuck, talk to me, okay? 
Was there another hand up I saw maybe? Yeah. Yeah. Because sometimes they just want someone to look at them to make the statement, let's say it's this right now. And a lot of times they have to have a lot of space. Yeah. So it does a little mischief. They come up to me and it takes too long when you do it. But what happens is they start coming up with a, a, a excuse for not making the statement. Yep. That's good. Okay, next week, uh, we're going to look at evangelism in the red zone. No doubt the Kansas City Chiefs are going to be in the red zone a lot this Sunday, and hopefully they go on through and score. I'm just, uh, there showed my colors, didn't I? But hey, there's people that get right down inside the 20, okay? It, maybe they're inside the five. And how, how's, the, how's the deal closed, okay? And you got, you're picking up on how you close. I mean, it, it's that kind of attitude, okay? So evangelism in the red zone, preparing your story. You have a story to tell. When's the last time you told it? Uh, and we're going to talk about how to prepare your story, and then we're going to say launching into God conversations, okay? I know you're already doing it. You're launching, but we're going to send you out. And, uh, and also, as you're having those God conversations, I would love to hear back from you. You know my email address. It's Hayes at wildwoodchurch.com. Org. I'd love to hear your God conversation stories. If you want to do that in person, I'd love that even more. So thank you all for coming, and we will see you all next week. We did run a little long, so the band is getting ready to worship practice. So if we could, if we could transition out uh, pretty quickly, that would be fantastic, and our conversations can be in the gathering hall. Thank you.